Well, we are continuing this morning in our Advent series that is called A Thrill of Hope, in which we are exploring the key themes of Advent. And last week we looked at the theme of redemption through the story of the prodigal son, or really the prodigal sons, if you remember that last week. This morning we are going to look at the element of peace. And it's interesting, I was reading um, a study that was done about peace. And the person who was doing the study asked people to close their eyes and to think of what peace is to them. And if I were to ask you to do that this morning, um, chances are you might fall asleep. So I'm not going to do that. But um, if you were to close your eyes and think about what it is that is peace to you, What would be the images that would come to your mind? Well, that's what this gentleman did with the people that he had asked to be a part of this study. And it was very interesting what their images were for peace. Uh, Some of the people shared that their images for peace was being on a sandy beach and hearing the waves come in and go out and come in and go out and the nice tropical breeze coming up. Does that not feel peaceful to you, right? Um, others talked about being with, you know, uh, in, a, in a mountain kind of area and just kind of being secluded away and just the peacefulness of hearing the animals and the, you know, nature that is there. Uh, and others also identified different places where they imagined that that is where they could be to have peace. Do you know what was unique about all of those images about peace? Not a single one involved being with other people. Imagine that. (laughs) Right? Those are the introverts speaking right now, right? No. Uh, Yeah, not a single one of the images that came to mind for people to identify what peace is involved being with other people. Which is really telling, isn't it? Because the reality is that's not true peace. Because here's the reality. No matter how much we want or think that peace is being alone in some secluded environment, whether it's on a beach by yourself or in the mountains by yourself or at home by yourself or whatever it is, the reality of life is is that you cannot truly be alone. It's just not necessarily possible in this life. That in other words, we will be surrounded by people. We will have to interact with people. And that's just the unique dynamic that we all have to face. And in fact, if we think about the absence of peace, more than likely, the cause of the absence of peace is some sort of relational strife or conflict. That something happened between each other or someone else and them and that and another person that has now caused a kind of disruption, if you will, of peace. And so this morning, we're going to explore this element of peace. And it's really interesting because if you look throughout the scriptures, peace is an incredibly important value. In fact, the most common word for peace is the word shalom. Many of you probably have heard this word, right? And that word is mentioned over 237 times in the scriptures. And the definition of shalom is is this idea of wholeness or completeness or even perfection. And it's interesting that this word shalom 
is used as both a greeting and a farewell as to, in many ways, when you greeted someone, you would say shalom to them, and when you would say goodbye to someone, you would say shalom to them, as significant of saying, may you be whole, may you be complete, may you be perfect in many ways. And that's just a really significant thing when it comes to this idea of peace. In fact, the Midrash, which is an ancient commentary on the Old Testament Scriptures, said this about peace. All that is written in the Torah, that is the Old Testament, uh, was written for the sake of peace. To bring wholeness, to bring completeness, to bring perfection to us. Now, how can we have this kind of peace? What is it that we can do to have this kind of peace? And by the way, there are so many different aspects for us to be able to look at the idea and the value of peace. I want to just take one this morning. I don't have time to take us through all the other aspects of peace. It just isn't going to happen today. And you're going to be grateful, okay? You're going to be very grateful. Um, So one aspect that I want to take us through this morning about peace, where I think it is just so important for us to have this completeness, this wholeness, this perfection is when it comes to plans. Plans. Now, all of us have at one time or another made plans, haven't we? Plans to maybe get together with someone else, plans for our life, plans to uh, be somewhere or live somewhere, uh, all this kind of stuff. Chances are, all of us have made plans. Here's the thing, and I was reading another statistic about this, and it was really more along business plans, right? 67, at least 67% of of those business plans fail. Fail. They do not come true. That whatever they planned for didn't actually turn out in the end. Now think about this. How many of the plans that you and I have made have actually turned out? In other words, let me ask you this. How many of you sitting here today thought you would never be sitting and dealing with or experiencing what you're experiencing right now? Don't raise your hands. Okay? Don't raise your hands. Maybe when you were younger, you had these dreams, these plans to work in a certain company or to live in a certain area or to have a certain number of children or to be married or whatever it is and have all of those plans come true. Have all of those things happened. The reality is, is that plans, man, they just don't always, they don't always bear out, do they? And if we need any reminder, let's just take a look at the year 2020. How many of you are looking forward, now you can raise your hands on this, to 2021. (laughs) Right? Both hands, like a roller coaster, right? I've got, let me just share with you about this. I was talking with someone else about this this past week. You know, you realize that 2021 doesn't realize that it has to be different than 2020. That it's just a number. (laughs) <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> I hope it is. I hope it will be different. I hope that it will be incredibly different than 2020. Better than 2020. I mean, you think about it. 2020 was supposed to be the perfect year once, wasn't it? How many times did you hear in, you know, 2019, the year of 2020 is coming, the year of perfect vision, the year of perfect this, the year of perfect that, right? And we looked at 2019 and we were looking so forward to 2020. How many of our plans came to fruition in 2020 that we had thought out? I'm probably thinking not very many. 
And that's caused some angst, hasn't it? Tendula has caused some disruption, some heartache even. Um, you know, and it just happens. Someone said this about plans. Life is what happens to us while we are making other plans. Right? As many of you know, this past week, we didn't plan on Lori's dad dying. It just, you know, wasn't on our radar this week. wasn't part of the plan. But it happened. Some of you this week, or last week, or the week before, hadn't planned on getting sick or getting exposed to someone who maybe had COVID. And it disrupted your plans, didn't it? It just threw everything kind of in chaos. Some of you here today are working as teachers and you didn't plan on having to teach virtually as well as in person. And all of the challenges and uniqueness of that that has been brought as a result of COVID. Many of us didn't think that we would have to be sitting in church here, physically, socially distanced from each other, that we can't have a meet and greet time here at Summit Ridge because of COVID. And by the way, let me just give you a little history on the Summit Ridge meet and greet thing, because one time we uh, thought about maybe switching the meet and greet and putting it at the end of the service, and you thought we would have crucified Jesus a second time by doing that. Wow! And my thinking is, if that's the worst we have it, we're doing pretty good. But I understand, we just love to be together. And we can't. There are some of you that want me to come over and visit, and I would love to come over and visit. But because of COVID and some of the restrictions there, it's just not possible, right? It's just not possible for us at this point to have all these wonderful you know, waffle breakfasts and all of those other things that we used to be able to do because of COVID. And now we've got to go out there and we can have coffee and all that, kind of, but prepackaged, you know, prepackaged snacks. Not that they're bad, but boy, today it's just going to be good just to have great village bakehouse muffins. Right? I mean, just once in a while, let's get us a break. And that we would have to constantly now be wearing masks. And making sure our hands are clean, which is not entirely a bad thing if you think about it. But still, how many of us ever thought that now instead of leaving the house, we have to make sure not only we have our keys, do we not only have our wallet, not only do we have our phone, but we've got to make sure we have a mask. Right? That just has become a normal part of making sure that we have those items with us when we leave the house. All the plans that we may have had has now been completely changed. Maybe you had these great plans to spend wonderful family time during the holidays, having all your family come over for Thanksgiving or maybe for, for, for Christmas or whatever else. And now that's all been changed, all been just flipped upside down. Maybe there were people you're looking forward to spending time with, and you know what? Because of what has happened this year, maybe they died. That's not possible. Plans change, don't they? And it really leads to some pretty chaotic stuff, doesn't it? It really gives us just this angst and sense of chaos. This morning, as we look at the Scriptures and this idea of peace, I want you to know this. That God knows what we're going through. I was reflecting on this this past week and thinking about Genesis 
and the creation of the world. And how we read in Genesis 1 and how Jesus, or how, rather how God, Jesus was there by the way, right? In my opinion, what happened is God spoke and guess who created? John 1, 1, or, you know, affirms that. He was in the beginning with God. And He is God. And that Jesus is the Word. And when God spoke things into existence, Jesus is the one who brought them to fruition. He was there at the very beginning. And thinking about all of the beautiful things, and you know what? I don't know about you, I can't even begin to fathom the depths of the perfection by which God created our world. I can't. I can't fully grasp it. We draw pictures of it, don't we? We may have some images of it, don't we? And by the way, when I think of perfection, when I think of peace, perhaps I need to think more along those lines. Adam and Eve and, and, and what was originally there, the animals and, and people and in God Himself and enjoying that fellowship more so than just being off in some secluded place. That might be more of an accurate picture of peace than anything else. And yet, what do we read in that story? God had this wonderful thing for us. And we chose not to accept it and to live in that reality. And we, in doing so, invited sin not only into our lives, but into the whole of creation. That's what happened. That sin now permeates not just us, but permeates everything in creation itself. I've always I've said this before and I'll say it again. I love what Paul writes in Romans about how creation is yearning for the day when finally it will be made whole. And I kind of liken that to the fact that we're stuck in middle school purgatory. Right? If there is one aspect of our lives that people consistently say that they would never want to repeat, it's the middle school years. Right? Why? Because we're in that, you know, kind of weird place where all of a sudden we're kind of growing into this adulthood, right? But yet we're still in this childhood and we're experiencing all these changes, you know, acne and different kinds of body odor and all these kinds of stuff. And it's frustrating. It's like, I want to get done with this, right? But that's where we are. And all of a sudden now, as a result of the fall, God had to put a plan in place. And today I want to talk about the fact that we can have peace because that plan is going to happen. It's going to happen. Let me tell you what the plan was. Right from the very beginning, in Genesis 3.15, remember, the fall has happened. God has cursed Adam and Eve. He has cursed the earth and all that is in it. There is now going to be consequences as a result of our sin. But listen to what he says. He says this in Genesis 3.15, And I will make enemies of you and the woman and of your offspring. And he's saying this to the snake, to the serpent, who is the one who tempted Eve and Adam, right? Who's the one who led people into the fall first? Don't go there. No, I was going to say women, but I'm not. Satan's better. (laughs) Satan's a much better answer. It is Satan, right? Actually, Adam's responsible, more so than Eve. Absolutely. I'm just kidding. i got to have... Just go with me here. Don't put comments out there. I'm just kidding. All right? So, and and we have been suffering with Apple ever since. So, here's the thing. Uh, And of your offspring and her descendant, and this is where the plan comes in. He, who's the he here? Jesus, shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him 
on the heel. Let me just say a different way, a version of this, is he will crush your head. You will be defeated, Satan. Not before, though, you bruise his heel, him going to the cross. That verse, a unique little uh, theological term there, is called the Proto-Evangelion. That is the good news before we knew the good news. And I want to share with you today that plan, that plan's going to happen. It's going to be realized. And I want us to see how that is. How is it that God's plan will succeed even though our own plans may at times fail? How is it that God's plan for redeeming and restoring His creation and those of us back to Him, how is it that His plan will succeed? The passage of Scripture I want us to look at today is a unique passage. It's out of the book of Isaiah, and it's not going to be the passage in Isaiah that we often talk talks about Jesus being the Prince of Peace. Wonderful passage. Today, I want us to look at Isaiah chapter 46. And we're going to be looking at verses 3 through 10. And there are three things, I believe, that as we look at these at this passage, that tells us or gives us a reason as to why God's plan will succeed. His plan of redemption and restoring His creation and us back to Him. While it will succeed, regardless of whatever happens on this earth, regardless of whatever happens to us, His plan will succeed. And I believe that there are three reasons why. The passage we're going to look at today, I believe, shares that reason. And the first reason is this. He knows you and me. He knows you and me. I want us to take a look at the first verse of Isaiah chapter 46. And God is writing, or rather speaking, to Israel, who at this point wants to go off and worship idols. Wants to go off and worship anyone but God Himself. And God is calling them back to Him and reminding them of who He is. And listen to what He says here in verse 3 of Isaiah 46. He says this, Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, you who have been born by me from birth and have been carried from the womb. In other words, what he reminds them of is simply this. I made you. I created you. I created you. You are mine. In other words, I made you. I know you better than you know yourself. Now, he was talking holistically of the nation and people of Israel. He is the one who chose them. He is the one who formed them. He is the one who blessed them. And he is the one who brought them to where they are now. But what is true corporately is also true individually. And I love what Psalm 139 says here. And David affirms on an individual level what also happens at a corporate level. And he says this in verses 13 through 14. He says this about God. You formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I love that. Think about that for a minute. You and I were intentionally created. We are not accidents. You might be an accident to your parents. But you are not an accident to God. You are here because God created you. You are here because He knit you in your mother's womb. 
He knew you before your mom even knew you. He knew you before your father even knew you. That's how much he knew you. And he says this, David writes, I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully, I love that, and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. Do you ever look at yourself in the mirror and say, Jesus, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. If you do not, you better start. I'm serious. Because you are. You are all fearfully and wonderfully made. You may not be happy with how you look. You may not be happy with how you feel. I don't care. Because you know what? You were made by Jesus. You were made by Jesus. Think about that. And Jesus doesn't make junk. He simply doesn't. He simply doesn't look at a person he's created and said, no, he didn't come out right. Let's start over. It's just not happen. It just doesn't happen. Period. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. You are so precious. There is no way to put a value on your preciousness to, to Jesus. It just isn't. You are that precious to him. Never forget that. He knows you. And because he knows you, he knows you warts and all. And I, I'm just marvel at this. He knows more stuff that's inside of me than I do. I don't know where everything is. I have never had a body scan to see where all my organs are. I just trust that they're in the right place. Right? They're where they're supposed to be and they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. I don't know all the intricacies of how that's done. I just marvel at it, at how my body just seems to function so well. And when I get a cut, and this is interesting, um, I got for Father's Day, my kids got me a new knife set. Oh, it's a beautiful knife set. Knife set. I have cut myself three or four times on that thing. I've never had really good knives. And you know what the knife brand is? It's Emojoy. That's the, that's the knife brand. It's like joy, bringing joy to you, and I love it. And my, every time now I bring out a knife, my daughter or my son or my other daughter will say, Dad, careful, don't cut yourself again. But you know what I marvel at by my, you know, my, my body is that when I cut myself, it heals. I don't know how it does that. Right? I mean, uh, let's, you know, when I think about the fact, you know, how much our largest organ is, our largest organ is our skin. That's our largest organ. Do you realize we shed that most of the dust in our house is our skin? It's kind of gross when you think about it. But it's really unique in the fact that our skin is regenerating constantly. It's renewing itself. Do you ever think about that? I mean, you're a whole new person every, I don't know how often it is, right? You're a whole new person. It's like, a, it's not as gross as a snake when they have to shed their skin. But we shed our skin. We're being renewed and rejuvenated. That's just beautiful. That's just beautiful. I mean, we are just so fearfully and wonderfully made. And here's why, why this is so important. Is the God who knows us best knows what's best for us. The God who knows us best knows what's best for us. We may not know what's best for us. We may think we know what's best for us. But He really knows what's best for us. He knows the deepest longings of our heart because He created it. We are here today, 
Hopefully, because we have that longing and we know that only Jesus can fill that longing. That there is, as many people have said, a God-sized hole in our hearts and that only Jesus can fill that yearning, that longing that we want to. And what are the longings that we have? Acceptance. To be loved. To be accepted for who we are. To have the idea that when I come into this place and when I'm with His people, that I will not be judged. That I can be accepted and loved. That is such a longing that we have. Why do you think we go out there and do the things we do? Why do you think people, and I'm just as guilty by the way, I am no different than anybody else here. Why do you think we go out and we kind of do things like spend stuff if we if that's our, our unique thing or go out and pursue relationships even unhealthy ones um, we do that because we have this yearning to be accepted to have value that is our deepest yearnings and only God can answer that that's part of his plan by the way that's part of his plan that's what he was trying to communicate here I believe to the nation of Israel I formed you I know you And because I know you the best, I know what's best for you. It's the same for us individually. God knows us best and He knows what's best for you and me. He just does. That's one big reason why God's plan will succeed is because He really truly does know us. So we know that the plan He will put into place, oh, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. It'll be a lasting one. Here's the second reason. He is consistent in who he is i love verse 4 of chapter 46 in isaiah it says this even to your old age i love this no matter how old we are what does he say i will be the same i will be the same and even to your graying years i will bear you i have done it and i will carry you and i will bear you and i will deliver you think about what he is saying there that is just beautiful No matter how old we are, even in later life, even when we may think we will not have value, even when we think that there is nothing we can contribute, even we might think that we might be, you know, cast off by others, God says, you are not forgotten by me. I am the same. I will never, ever leave you. I will always be with you. I will always care for you. Do you believe that? I will never change. And what I love about that is because he doesn't change, guess what? He doesn't do any, you know, otherwise. He doesn't deviate from his plan. He does not deviate from his plan. We know we can have a relationship with Jesus Christ if we accept him as Lord and Savior. And there will never be a change to that. You will not have to worry about going to heaven and Jesus telling you when you get up there, well, yeah, that was the early plan for you to accept me that way, but I've changed it. It's now different. I need you to hop up and, you know, down on one foot three times and spin around and, and, you know, whatever. He doesn't do that. He is incredibly consistent. In other words, the plan he has put into place is the plan that will remain in place. It will not change. It will not change beyond years. It will not change beyond situations. It will not change among people. It will not change because he does not change. This is why we can have faith in Jesus Christ. He is the same yesterday, today, and guess what? 
forever. He never changes. That's how we can have faith in Him. Because we know He will never change His mind. It just isn't going to happen. Ever. I don't know about you, but I change my mind a lot. It's frustrating to my family. I change my mind a lot. Right? I mean, you know... um, Yeah, I just... I do. I mean, my wife thinks she has me figured out and then I change my mind. Right? It just happens. You don't have to worry about that with God. He's the same. Absolutely the same. Here's the other one. And this is a big one. He is God. This is the third reason why His plan will succeed. It shouldn't be that surprising. It should be rather obvious. He is God. Listen to what He says here in verses 5-10. through 10. To whom would you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we would be alike? He's now comparing himself to idols, that sort of thing. And those who lavish gold from the purse and weigh silver on the scale, hire a goldsmith and he makes it into a god. They bow down, indeed they worship it. They lift it up upon the shoulder and carry it. They set it in its place and it stands there. And it does not move from its place. Though one may cry to it, it cannot answer. It cannot deliver him from his distress. Do you know why, as Christians, we do not have any particular symbol for God? Or idol. There isn't one that could ever possibly encompass all of who God is. But more than that, anything that we could have would never testify to the fact that God is alive. It's all inanimate objects. Do you know who the, what the greatest testimony that God is alive is? Humans. All of us. Whether we know Jesus or not. Because we're alive. His Spirit indwells in us. You know, in those days, they would make these, you know, someone be led by, you know, whatever, to make an idol. And so they would make an idol, and they would take it to the temple where, you know, the idol was worshipped, and they would ask the the priests of that idol or of that God to please bless this thing, whatever it was that they had made. And in doing so, the priest was hoping that the Spirit of that God would indwell into that idol or into that object. And you know what happened after they did that to that object? Nothing. You brought a tree? It's still a tree. Right? But not the God whom we serve. The God whom we serve says, no, 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 no. You're not going to bring anything to me and ask me to indwell my spirit into it. No, no, I'm going to automatically indwell my spirit into all of you. And you'll be alive. And that's the greatest testimony to God. It's us being alive and dwelled with His Spirit. That's a beautiful thing. No one is like Him, ever. There is no other God like the God whom we serve. There is no other God who could have come up with the plan of restoration and redemption except God whom we now serve. There is no other God like Him. No other plan even comes close, by the way, to offering the fulfillment of the yearnings that we all have. Nothing comes close to it. Romans chapter 8. Paul, I think, does a beautiful job of summarizing, in many ways, what this plan is. In verses 27 and following, he he writes the following. And he who searches the hearts, in other words, our hearts, he knows us, uh, knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. 
And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son, so that we, so that He would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters or brethren. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. Do you know what God's great plan is for every single one of us? Is to be redeemed through Jesus Christ. To be restored through Jesus Christ. That's His great plan. And in doing so, to make us like Him. That's His great plan. That's what He desires. That's what He has set out. And I love what Paul says in verse 31 of Romans chapter 8. He says this, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Nothing will stop that plan. Nothing. Which is why the birth of Jesus is so important. We read about this birth, and I love how Luke describes this. And he shares in Luke chapter 2, when he's sharing about the birth of Jesus Christ, he says this as he shares this story of how Jesus came, starting in verse 8 of chapter 2 in Luke. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. Shepherds is the first thing, or was one of the earliest ones to be told that Jesus had been born. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. I don't think that does it justice. Terribly frightened. That seems rather innocuous. There's a word for you. Seems rather, okay, they were terribly, no, no, you don't understand. Imagine being out with the sheep. Dark night, doing your thing. When all of a sudden, unbelievable great amount of light comes and shines before them. And this angelic being is right there. Now, in those days, they believed that one could never look at the face of God and not die. So when it says they were terribly frightened, you know why they were frightened? Because they thought, we've seen the face of God and now we're dead. What did I do to deserve this? All I was doing was taking care of sheep, minding my own business. And now I looked at the face of God and I'm going to die. And so they were incredibly frightened. They were probably so frightened, it was more frightened than you could ever possibly imagine how frightened you could ever be. I remember the first scary movie I saw. And by the way, I swear off horror movies, scary movies. I haven't seen it, any scary movie, since I, I, I was tricked into it my friends. I thought it dealt with lambs, Silence of the Lambs. Great, let's go see that. It was in high school. I didn't sleep for two days. Haven't watched a scary movie since. But the first movie I saw was, and I was invited by my friend, and, you know, fine, let's go see it. I didn't know anything. Sixth grade aliens. Oh, awful. Frightened beyond, I mean, just frightened. I am not going to make it through this kind of thing. Yeah, shepherds here, frightened. But listen to what they say, and I love this. The angel said to them in verse 10, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, 
In the city of David, there has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You could imagine the unbelievable angst, the unbelievable fear, the unbelievable chaos they were experiencing. And the first thing the angel says, don't be afraid. Peace. The culmination of everything that God has set in motion. The plan He devised at the very beginning when the fall first took place back in Genesis. Now in, it's come to fruition in the birth of Jesus Christ. The plan has come full circle. Peace is here at the beginning and at the end. In the hello and in the goodbye. Peace has come. Peace is here. And do you know what that means? Here's what it means. It means this. He will succeed in His plan to redeem and to restore His creation. And what that means is that you and I, all of us, we will be healed. We will be made whole. We will be perfected. Relationships will be restored. And I thoroughly believe this, that those who have died and gone before us, those whom we've dearly loved, those whom we may even miss right now, we will one day see them again because they are with Jesus Christ. We will see them again. We will one day be able to live on earth in a creation that God originally had for us in which we will not have to fear, in which we will not have to worry about being uh, sad or broken up, in which we will not have to face chaos or tragedy those will be distant memories in which now the lion will you know lie with the lamb and nothing will happen in which now relationships that were once fractured will now be made whole in other words things that happened to us and diseases that were here will no longer exist in other words tears of agony will be a thing of the past we will never remember those things instead we will live in full and complete peace before our lord and savior among all those who have come before us and who are now with him now and we will together rejoice as a church and as his people and we will say thank you jesus christ and the peace that you have brought amen Oh, I look forward to that day. So this morning, there's good news. Some of you may be here today and you are just experiencing some chaos. I know how you feel. This has been a difficult week for me and my family as well. Things happened we didn't count on. We lost someone dear to us. I get it. My invitation and my encouragement to all of us this morning is it's going to be okay. We have the peace of Christ. You know what I think is so interesting is that the very first thing that Jesus said to His disciples after He had been raised from the dead and appeared to them is He said, Peace be with you. And He breathed on them. In other words, guess what? The plan that my Father put into place... It's been accomplished. There is nothing on this earth that will ever stop that plan. Things are going to be made new. Things are going to be different. And I hope you and I look forward to that day and are looking forward to that day when it takes place. And in the meantime, rest in that peace. Jesus, I am grateful for the peace that you offer us, for the peace that you give us. I 
I am just grateful, Jesus, that the peace that you offer us isn't a temporary peace. It isn't a shallow peace. Rather, it goes deep into the, just the yearnings and longings that we have in our hearts, our very, our very souls, Jesus. I pray for any one of us, myself included this morning, Jesus, that if we are experiencing just upheaval and chaos, Jesus, please remind us of your peace. Breathe on us through your Spirit as you breathed on your disciples when you said, peace be with you. I love it, Jesus, in the words that you shared when you were on the cross. It is finished. Your plan has been accomplished. Satan and sin have been defeated. Father, I pray that we would rejoice even in the midst of our heartache. Because, Jesus, your plan has succeeded. You are alive. And so are we. It's in your name that we pray and all of God's people said, Amen.